0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington D.C., so Shane, welcome back! Happy Friday! Looking forward to our conversation this morning.
1: Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you as always.
0: Absolutely. So maybe Shane, we can begin with some domestic topics. I know there's a lot to cover this week. Earlier this week, I recall the House Ways and Means Committee uh, they released highly anticipated proposed tax provisions as part of what is a broader budget reconciliation bill, which we have, of course, been covering over the past few weeks here on the podcast. Now the committee has since voted to advance provisions of the budget reconciliation, so Shane, can you walk us through some of the finer points of the proposed tax provisions? Uh, maybe in the way of what will stick, what won't, and how does this process progress from here? Knowing, of course, that there are many moving parts and chefs in the kitchen, so to speak.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's funny um, the way you bring up this question because there there are about two dozen committees in. Uh, both the House and Senate working on the reconciliation package. But you're right to focus on the House Ways and Means Committee because, um, you know, for uh, all intents and purposes, that's kind of where the biggest part of the ball game is here. You know, Ways and Means has jurisdiction over taxes, uh, Medicare, and a few other um, big pieces of the spending. So um, a lot of the oxygen in the room is focused on what Ways and Means uh, produced released on Monday, and then passed um, on uh, Wednesday this week. Um, and so, you know, looking at the, the tax piece, you know, there are a lot of pieces that we fully expected. You know, um, we anticipated an increase to the corporate tax rate, which um, this bill went to 26.5%. And, you know, that was a little higher than we thought it would be. Um, we We were thinking more like 25%. But, you know, it is down from President Biden's proposal, of 28 percent. So I think it's a little bit more realistic than what President Biden was proposing.
0: Um,
1: A lot of changes on how uh, multinational corporations are um, taxed on their overseas profits. That's going to be key to this. So, you know, some variation of um, those changes we expect to be in the final bill. It's really just too important. Um, on the revenue side, it's going to be where Democrats get a lot of revenue to help pay for the spending. And two, on the policy side, you know, Democrats, uh, fully believe that the current laws in existence are just too generous to, um, multinational corporations. So that we anticipate will stick in the bill. You know, uh, this bill obviously increased tax rates for the highest earners, um, and it went from, uh, the top bracket from 37%, uh, back up to 39.6%. And as we discussed, um, we, this bracket was also expanded. We thought that was a real possibility because remember President Biden's pledge overall is to not increase taxes on anyone that earns less than $400,000. And when we were looking at this top bracket, you know, it kicks in at $628,000 for Married couples. So, you know, we saw some room there that when Democrats needed revenue, uh, we thought they would uh, utilize, and in this bill, they do. So, the top bracket of 39.6% um, in this uh, House bill applies to individuals making over $400,000 or married couples making over $450,000. So, that is something to keep an eye on, and we think uh, that uh, will, by and large, uh, be in the final package. <clears throat> Excuse me. And fourth uh, thing I'll mention is um, is uh, capital gains. You know, this bill increases capital gains to 25% uh, for those highest earners earning over $400,000. Uh, and that is effective on the date of an introduction for this bill, which is Monday, September 13, 2021. So, you know, theoretically, Um, some people listening who may realize gains today could be taxed at the higher rate if that effective date holds over, which we think is probably the most likely scenario at this point. Um, and so we, we envision some version of this sticking, uh, through to the final bill. Um, you know, another one I'll mention is, uh, IRS, this bill provides, uh, almost $79 billion for IRS enforcement and enforcement is just another way of saying audits. So, as we've been saying for a while now, we think that, that you know, the audits are coming uh, and, you know, people need to be prepared and aware that, you know, there's a higher probability that in the coming years they're going to be audited by the IRS. Um, now, this proposal host has a total of almost uh, around 40 different tax increases, so not all of them are going to make it to the, to the finish line. Some may fall off to the wayside, especially if this bill um comes down from that $3.5 trillion in spending. If it's shrunk, then some of the tax uh, increases will be shrunk as well. So there's going to be moving parts, but I think those are kind of some of the ones I'll highlight that we fully expect to be uh, in the final bill.
0: Well, Shane, appreciate the insights, of course, a lot there to unpack. Now, we know what a narrow majority the Democrats hold in the Senate. What's interesting here is that both Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, both Democrats who represent West Virginia and Arizona respectively, uh, they both keep being cited as pivotal determiners of the scope and scale of President Biden's economic plan, uh, much to the frustration of the White House, as has been reported. So, uh, Shane, what concerns have both senators, Mansion and Cinema, been voicing, and has the White House engaged with them lately to maybe take the temperature on their stance? Yes,
1: yeah, so the White House has engaged with them. Uh, I believe both of them went to the White House uh, this week to sit down with the president to kind of uh, lay out some of their concerns. I think there are a couple of points here. One, you know, they're not comfortable with spending an additional three and a half trillion dollars. Um, they would like to see that number come down. Uh, to something more comfortable with Joe Manchin has said something around, you know, one and a half trillion dollars. Um, but then also within, you know, the set of proposals, there are proposals that each of them are just not fully comfortable with yet. You know, for Joe Manchin, it's some of the uh, climate initiatives. Remember, he, he is a senator from West Virginia. Coal is an important economic engine to the state. So, you know, he is. Uh, fighting for jobs in his state and, and trying to represent, uh, those workers to the best of his ability. So, you know, there, there are many other pieces to this puzzle. But another thing that we should highlight is there are some other, uh, senators and representatives kind of behind them. It's just that, you know, uh, a lot of them are purposely choosing, uh, to let Senator Manchin and, uh, Sinema kind of take all the heat here and be the ones that get all the attention and focus especially from the left and uh, progressive democrats who are very upset with um this and how it's playing out and and trying to push back on the moderates. so you know uh i think it's right that we do pay attention to what they say but there there are some others that are behind them that are just kind of uh playing you know uh shy right now we'll say
0: well, there's, of course, a lot at stake here, some lofty price tags, and the pressure seems to be intensifying day by day. So it will be interesting to see where we are a week from now, though, Shane, that was very helpful analysis to bring us up to speed as to where the process stands today. And as we always like to say, more to come. Uh, maybe sticking with Capitol Hill, though, shifting over into geopolitics, I recall that this week we did witness what was at times emotional, contentious testimony related to the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, this involved, Involved Secretary of State Anthony Blinken before House and Senate committees. There was a lot of spirited exchanges, a lot of questions left unanswered. Uh, Though Shane, what were some key highlights from this week's testimonies and who else will we be hearing from across the agencies or departments that were involved here?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there were five separate House and Senate committee uh, hearings held this week on the withdrawal of U.S. troops and uh, from Afghanistan I think maybe the most remarkable thing about the hearings were the outrage was not just from Republicans, uh, it was from Democrats as well. Uh, This issue has had an adverse effect on President Biden's uh, standing overall. I think you've seen in the past uh, few weeks, his approval ratings have dropped well below 50%. Um, So, you know, this is starting to take a toll and you're starting to see that uh, impact happen on the Biden administration. Um, now, there's obviously a question of will that uh, continue over time and affect, you know, uh, President Biden long term and in the midterm elections uh, that remains to be seen. But, you know, Secretary of State Blinken, he was um, featured in many of these hearings and, you know, he he received a lot of flack, as I mentioned. Um, you know, I think you're right to point out that there's more to come here. Uh, there'll be future hearings. Um, with, uh, Defense Secretary, um, Lloyd Austin and General Milley later, uh, this month. So this issue is not going away. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it can be, a, it has potential to continue to be a real sore spot for the Biden administration. I think, uh, the takeaway is that, you know, we're, we're just scratching the surface here. Uh, for senators and representatives and how they're going to pursue this issue
0: maybe sticking with chairman milley for a few moments a uh, four-star general chairman of the joint chiefs of staff uh, we did see some interesting headlines that broke on tuesday of this week concerning interactions he had with china this during the final days of the trump administration now this has yielded controversy calls for action by certain congressional members in the wake of this revelation uh, what can you share with us
1: Yes. Uh, so these revelations come out of a forthcoming book by uh, Bob Woodward. I think it's titled Peril. Um, and in this, you know, General Milley's reaction to the um, Ju- January 6th event at the Capitol, um, you know, led him to take a number of actions, uh, including call- reaching out and calling his counterparts in China. Um, I think you see a lot of concern also about what General Milley did uh, to try and take a look at um, the chain of command uh, relating to um, uh, uh, nuclear codes and potential launch of nuclear weapons. You know, his outreach to China was to try and, you know, I think calm China down because they were fearful, fearful uh, of an attack in the last uh, days and weeks of a Trump administration. You know, uh, as I mentioned, he will be going to Capitol Hill in a few weeks. And I think that's going to be very contentious, especially from the Republican side. Um, The book also recounts, you know, uh, General Milley's interactions with Speaker Pelosi and her concern about uh, the chain of command uh, for uh, and how that what safety precautions were in place uh, for any launch of nuclear weapons. So uh, this is not the last we're going to hear of this issue, and you're right, General Milley's taking a, a lot of, uh, fire, uh, flack from especially, uh, conservatives.
0: Very interesting story. So we'll be curious to see how it develops. Uh, Maybe one more topic we can hit on this week, Shane. I know recently we did touch on uh, the COVID-19 related mandates issued by the White House, as well as the prospects for legal challenges. Uh, Since some time has passed since the announcement, has the Biden administration been met with any legal pushback?
1: Yes, they have. Um, You have uh, the state attorney general's uh, who are now suing, uh, the Biden administration over this authority. And I believe more recently, um, 24 attorney generals, uh, signed a letter, uh, to president Biden, um, over their concern of this and, and, and looking to pursue legal action. You know, um, obviously president Biden is, is trying to find ways to encourage people to become vaccinated. Uh, I think last numbers I saw were, we're above 53 percent of americans fully vaccinated um and you know that's not high enough uh, according to many of the experts so the Biden administration has pushed their department of labor uh to uh find a ways and osha is is mandating that companies with over a 100 employees either get vaccinated or tested weekly uh so this is um a concern from a lot of conservatives that this is an overreach uh, from the federal government, uh, and a mandate such as this, uh, this from the federal government is uh, not only improper but illegal. So, you know, yes, they are pursuing uh, legal action, uh, but you know, sometimes this legal action takes a while. So, this this will be an interesting one to to play out uh, during you know uh, this year and possibly next year.
0: Okay. Well, more to come there over the next few months, I'm sure, and something we can follow up on. Shane, very productive catch-up this week. Thank you very much for covering all of the ground that you did with us. I'm sure much else to come up on Capitol Hill next week as these negotiations progress. So looking forward to tracking the progress, having a follow-up conversation, though in the meantime, wish you a great weekend, Shane. Thank you again.
1: Thank you, Dan. Best to you.
0: Thank you, Shane. And again today, we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, uh, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be found on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify,
1: As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.